It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, we welcome you to this crossover edition of the Locked On Panthers and Locked On Washington football team podcast. It is Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Joining us now, as we get to hook up pretty much, it seems like it just about once every year, is my guy Bill Lucetti, who covers the Carolina Panthers for Locked On Panthers. Bill, happy holidays to you and your family and your listeners. How are you, man? Yeah, same to you, Chris. Always great to chat with you. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, you're you're one of the good ones here. So always excited. Yeah, we have been doing this a couple years, and yeah. uh, I already I know we're gonna get to do this again next year because it's I, locked in. I think you were my first crossover, and uh, if I remember correctly, I, uh, it was I uh, 2018, were. I believe, and yeah. And the Carolina Panthers were coming to FedEx Field just like they are this Sunday. I think it was like week five or something like that. And Washington mm-hmm. actually won. And, you know, for a change, Josh Norman, you know, actually played well. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Cam Newton was still the quarterback for Carolina. And yeah. Ron Rivera was on the other side. Exactly. My, yeah, how times have changed. It's- yeah. Such a weird feeling here. No what? doubt. No doubt about it. All right, let's get to it, Um, you know, because I'm sure – uh, you know, there's just a lot going on with both teams. But let me ask you from from this perspective, um, you know, the one thing that jumps out to me about Matt Rule, I mean, I knew he came highly regarded, obviously, a lot of college success at Temple. Baylor uh, was in the NFL as an assistant coach, now as a head coach. He's got all the power, all the juice. They fire Marty Herney. How would you say the overall operation, given all of the obstacles, all of the changeover, all of the everything that any coach has had to deal with, but especially a first-time head coach coming from college. How would you say his first year is gone despite the record, which would automatically say, oh, it's not that great, but I think there's some wiggle room there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people have understood that this is definitely a team that looks better than what their actual record says they are. Um, you know, even last week when I talked with uh, Peter Bukowski of, of Locked On Packers, he t- said the same thing. You know, don't let this record fool you. This is a good Panthers team. And, you know, Matt Rule has absolutely done a, a really nice job of rallying the troops. You know, you could see the competitiveness in this team each and every week. You know, last week's a perfect example. I was one of, I'm sure, many people that thought, that game against the Packers was going to get ugly, and it looked like it did, right? They were down 21-3 at the half, but they played extremely well in the second half and wound up only losing by eight. So, you know, they've played a lot of close games. Now it's just a matter of taking that next step and, and starting to win those games. But you could definitely see the the winning mentality, or at least the, the fighting uh, mentality from Matt Rule. You know, you could see the winning attitude coming over 
from uh from his two college stands. And it's the same thing as when he was at Temple and Baylor, right? He didn't immediately get them into championship contention. It, it took a couple years, but it he's starting on kind of the same pace that he did at Temple and Baylor. So, you know, we're I think on pace here to be in that kind of same time frame and that, you know, within a year or two, this is going to be a competitive team in the NFL again. Yeah. And, and, you know, every team's destiny uh, in a lot of ways is ultimately determined by, you know, uh, of course, good and, and, and value decisions, but also injuries. And, you know, all of this competitiveness, again, despite the record, and I asked Ron Rivera about that, on Wednesday is how do you, you know, you kind of convince your guys in a must win game to not look at the record, but look at how close they are in all these games. And, and all of this being said and all of this progress, uh, Bill, as you know, without Christian McCaffrey for much of the year, and it doesn't look like he's going to play in this game. Washington in the past has done a pretty decent job against McCaffrey, but you'd still rather not go against him than go against him. And he's been out for, you know, what, just about 90% of the year, right? Yeah, this is going to be the 11th or 12th, 12th game, I think, actually. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out quick math here. Uh, this should be the 12th game, I think, he's going because he's only played three. You know, he played the first two weeks, got injured against uh, Tampa Bay in week two, came back against the Chiefs, and then got injured in, in that game as well. So, yeah, 12, 12 games he'll have missed. Personally, I think the Panthers should just shut him down for the rest of the season. I mean, at 4-10... and 10, what do they really have to gain in in two games, right? You know, they're they're holding on to the fourth draft spot. They are, you know, the 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 chances are growing that they're going to get they could get the third pick if things break their way there. You know, after the Bengals' big win, and you said yourself, you know, last week's a perfect example of, you know, you, you can't overlook these teams, right? Just yeah. just ask the Los Angeles Rams, just ask the Pittsburgh Steelers. Any given Sunday. So, and Ron Rivera's obviously definitely going to be one of those coaches that's going to, going to get his team ready. So, you know, I'm glad you get a chance to talk to Ron because, you know, I got to talk to him once at the, the combine a couple of years ago. He, he's just an, an awesome dude. So really glad you guys get the chance to really experience what Carolina's got the chance to experience for nine years. And that's just a, a tremendous, tremendous person, both on and off the field. Yeah, let's talk about that. You know, and and you're right, because, I mean, obviously I'm in all these Zoom calls and, and you know, five days a week, six days a week, whatever it is. And I feel like I have a lot of Ron Rivera in my life. Uh, and, and a lot of it is good. Now, today he snapped, you know, at the media because they kept, you know, we kept asking questions about the Dwayne Haskins situation, which I'm sure we'll address in my segment uh, mm-hmm. But from a from a an overall standpoint, I mean, obviously you watching, you know, the, the Carolina Panthers as closely as you have over the years, um, you know, Washington fans were frustrated early on in the year because he wasn't using timeouts because he went for a two point conversion uh, on the road instead of kicking extra points. Uh, but then they seemed to like the aggressiveness on fourth down. You know, Ron's, you know, I mean, obviously we know he's a good person and, 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 you know, 
looks can sometimes be deceiving, but I think he's very authentic and real. And, and sometimes you're going to not like what he does. Is that your general sense of him that, you know, like even as nice as he is, you, you sometimes he's going to annoy you and do some things that don't necessarily line up eye to eye, like this whole, you know, Haskins situation and how he kind of handled it. Like sometimes he's going to give guys some more rope, some more faith and do things that you don't necessarily agree with. But in the end of the day, you can respect where they're coming from or where he's coming from. Yeah, that's why they call him Riverboat Ron, right? Yeah. He does things his own way. So, I mean, you're right. It's – uh and yeah, it's have things certainly been different in Washington. Yeah, but they kind of needed that, right? We we knew the the ship was kind of sinking, and, and in a sense, it continues to sink. But at least Ron Rivera is there to kind of patch up the holes a little bit, or or try to, you know, what take his bucket and just <laughs> fish out the water as as right. best he can. So yeah, Ron Rivera is just one of those. Great characters uh, of the NFL. I think you put it perfectly. He's going to do some, you know, out of the ordinary things, but I mean, he's got a pretty good track record over 10 years now as a head coach. He's been to a Super Bowl. Right. Uh, he's won a couple of division titles. You know, he's on track now to win. I think this would be his fourth. Yep. Fifth, I'm already losing track. I think it's fourth division title, yeah. Because I know because he had the three in a row uh, with Carolina there, including the Super Bowl year. So, it, yeah, I I thought it was a, a great pickup when Washington initially took him, and you know you're already starting to see the uh, Here, the positive effects. Here's my question for you. I don't mean to jump in. Do you do you just think it, his message got old after a while down there, or? Or just that, like, it was just due, right? I mean, like, there's yeah. only one Bill Belichick who can stay, you know, in, in a place for 20 plus years. Uh, Mike Tomlin's obviously been in Pittsburgh for a while, but just eventually, like, even as great of a coach as Andy Reid is, like his time came up in Philadelphia and yep. boom, he goes right to Kansas city and you've seen obviously a track of greatness. So like, did Ron just hit a wall there? Like what exactly ultimately happened looking back? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It, it just became time for a change. Uh, new ownership certainly played a factor in that too. Once David Tepper came in, he wanted to and still continues to this day mm -hmm. put his fingerprints all over this Panthers franchise. I mean, you're seeing they're going to have a brand new practice facility or training camp facility in uh 2022 they've already broke ground down there in uh in rock hill so they'll have a fantastic new training camp facility uh they of course got rid of the jerry richardson statue you know they're doing everything they can to pretty much rid themselves of the old carolina panthers so to speak right. well and one of those one of those moves is marty herney too right i mean absolutely. they just got rid of him absolutely uh, a couple of days ago and, and and i mean i guess that was not un unexpected but did something big happen there, or was that just your feeling, your sense all along? Because from afar, it was my sense all along, but I'm curious for somebody who is obviously uh, very much more tied in. Yeah, I mean, Herney's contract was set to expire in June anyway, so he was kind of going to be a lame duck there throughout you know, free agency and the draft and all that. And you started getting the sense, especially this offseason, that – David Tepper and Matt Rule were starting to be a little more in charge. You know, it was still kind of a, a three-man show. But 
Tepper and Rule were kind of more ahead of Marty Herney, if that makes right. sense. So right. you started to see Herney take a back seat, and there was never really any talk of any kind of contract extension. There was never really any rumbling. So the writing was kind of on the wall. You know, a little surprising at the timing, but uh, maybe they just they just figured they wanted to get a jump start. You know, they see, of course, some of these other teams have yeah. started their GM search, so they just wanted to kind of get their name out there as well and see if they can get a, a bit of a head start. And, of course, Marty Herney could very well wind up back reunited with Ron Rivera, and he started Absolutely. in Washington. He's a Washington native, so, I mean, obviously a lot of, you know, crossing of the T's and dotting of the I's and all that uh, stuff. Bill Rossetti, host of the Locked on Panthers uh, podcast, is with us on this crossover Thursday. i got a million other questions. I know I'm trying to pick and choose. Um, <laughs> the thing that scares me the most about this particular game, Bill, and I'm guessing you'll agree with this, is Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, uh, and, 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 um, and, and DJ Moore, right? I mean, I mean, that's where, it, you know, especially without McCaffrey, that's where the bread is buttered. Am I wrong or? I mean, you've got Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore both over a thousand yards receiving for this season. And DJ Moore, or excuse me, Curtis Samuel is just kind of the, uh, the jack of all trades yeah. of this team. So absolutely, this is where this team has kind of made their money on offense. I mean, Mike Davis has done a, a decent job of filling in for Christian McCaffrey, but, mm-hmm. you know, things have started to catch up with, with him as well. He hasn't had, you know, too many breakout games like he did when he, first started, you know, those first couple of games, I think he had something like 21 catches, including eight against the Buccaneers, and that was really just in one quarter. His, uh, he hasn't been utilized as much as he did in the start of the season. We're also starting to put in uh, Rodney Smith a little bit more, getting some uses out of him. But, you know, ab- absolutely, this is, and it, it's been like this kind of all season, and we got the sense even through free agency when they went out and got these guys, uh, you know, particularly Robbie Anderson. But Anderson, more and Samuel, it's really just about getting the ball in their hands and just letting mm-hmm. them do what they need to do to to make plays. And this is a big play uh, allowed defense, meaning Washington. So uh, certainly something to keep an eye on on Sunday at four oh five. All right, one more, and I know we're going long here, but I, I'm I'm just I've got a, too many questions. I got absolutely not. Hey, um, I'm, I'm I, all for it. <laughs> I saw Brian Burns was banged up and did not practice. Uh, not sure about his status moving forward, but uh, spin me quickly around this defense because, I mean, obviously that was Ron's trademark, yeah. uh, yet the defense last year and Ron's final year before he got fired was just constantly gashed on the ground. Uh, what does this defense in a nutshell look like? It's suffering the same fate a little bit this year too. You know, they're still having trouble running the ball. Part of that, of course, is, you know, K1 Short got injured early in the season and uh, ended up missing basically the entire season. He only ended up playing like two games. So it's been a couple of young guys, uh, obviously a lot of Derek Brown, their first-round pick. Bravion Roy, their sixth-round pick, has gotten a lot more playing time. And then veteran Zach Kerr there in the middle. Obviously, you mentioned Brian Burns has been kind of the star of the show, but Matt Rule was actually on SiriusXM this week and did not sound very optimistic mm-hmm. that Brian Burns is going to play on Sunday, so I don't expect him to either. Same scenario with McCaffrey. I think they should just shut Brian Burns down as well. Uh, middle of the field, Jermaine Carter's starting 
started to step up a little bit more in the the middle linebacker role has has been playing pretty well you know Tiger Whitehead struggled for most of the season at the mic so they've given Jermaine Carter a shot and he's been playing pretty well uh, obviously Shaq Thompson has been play, playing pretty decently and then my boy Jeremy Chin just all over the field an incredible rookie season could be defensive rookie of the year and then the secondary has been very hit and miss throughout the season particularly at the cornerback position. You know, it was nice to see Dante Jackson play a full game last week against the Packers. Hadn't done that, but he's been battling injuries all season long. Uh, but Trey Boston and Justin Burris have been just fantastic in the backfield as well. They've been nice, uh, very solid pieces in the back there to kind of balance out the, the struggles at the cornerback position. Uh, Chin is a name that if you're not familiar with Washington football fans, you're probably going to be familiar with uh, on Sunday, no doubt about it. Uh, Bill, uh, like I said, I, you know, I got a hundred other questions, but we'll have to leave it there uh, because, you know, we had to bounce around and kind of spend a little more time on, on, on Rivera, but obviously these two organizations. So uh, directly connected, if you will. I know we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the Washington football team. We'll do that next right here. Crossover Thursday. Again, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody uh, out there along with Bill Rossetti. I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're back rolling along here. Chris Russell, Billy Rossetti with you on a crossover Thursday. Locked on Panthers, locked on Washington football team. Uh, great first half talking with Chris about uh, the Panthers and we're going to flip it around here. And it's funny. I, I'm certainly going to have, he had a lot of questions on Ronda Vera and yeah. the connections with the Panthers. I got some similar questions here too, because obviously Washington has a, a lot of connections with with sure. uh, Carolina, so I, th I think we'll start there. You know, we obviously talked a lot about Ron Rivera in the first half, so I think we can uh, kind of leave it where we did. Mm -hmm. But what I'm interested, though, is one of the other coaches that Ron brought over with him from Carolina is offensive coordinator Scott Turner. And mm -hmm. you've seen – we've seen some pretty good games out of this offense, you know, obviously particularly with Alex Smith at quarterback – what has uh what has Scott Turner brought to this offense that you know maybe we didn't see with Jay Gruden or whatever the case may be? How has Scott Turner added a spark to this Washington offense? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of things, obviously, as you can imagine, at, at play, Bill. And when you've gone through three quarterbacks now, and 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 you've been through the laundry cycle here. Uh, you, you know, the one thing that you've, you've lacked is stability, right? Um, but clearly you can see when, when Scott Turner got to Kyle Allen, former Carolina Panther quarterback, and then to Alex Smith, because Allen got injured and was lost for the season, you could see his comfortable, comfortable, 
ability, if that's a word, mm-hmm. really kind of jump up a little bit. And maybe that was just because they had more games under their belt. Again, no OTAs, no offseason, uh, no preseason games, as everybody knows. Kind of hard when you're installing a system and you have to do everything, you know, virtually by Zoom. But um, you know, I, I like Scott. I think Scott takes a lot of criticism around here so far because Washington fans want them to throw the ball deep and they just want them to stretch the field and they don't care about a lot of the uh, underneath stuff and the design screens and the jet sweeps and the jet motions and all of the. Um, so I think he's taken criticism and I think it's been wrong because I do think Scott will take shots intermediate to deep. I just think maybe he waits a hair too long to get to it. And what I mean by that is, you know, over the last month and specifically over that four game winning streak, you know, Bill, I would see how defenses would change their coverage of the Washington football team. And it's something I've talked about with Ron and something I've talked about with Scott uh, and Alex, um, you know, where if they throw the ball deep, even if it's unsuccessful one time, it loosens things up and it changes the way defenses react and read and, and, and play and, and, and it opens up things for the underneath stuff, uh, that they want to get to. And, and, and the, the one thing that I would add is how it differs from Jay is I do believe that Scott Turner is willing to make more in-game adjustments and more adjustments based on what he has and what he doesn't have than Jay Gruden, who was, we're going to run this and we're going to run this come hell or high water and we're going to do it this way. Um, and, and Scott hasn't had that opportunity, nor should he. Uh, and I appreciate that about him. He figures it out as the game goes along, I think, and he gets better. Now, he doesn't like to run as much as I like to run the ball. Uh, having no Antonio Gibson the last couple of weeks has hurt that, uh, but I do think he's better at it when Antonio Gibson is there. Uh, love a bunch of the trick plays and formations that he runs. I like a lot of his motions. I like, um, you know, I like a lot of things about Scott Turner, and he's not the only assistant here. I mean, obviously they have Pete Hayner, uh, who was with the tight ends, and they have Jim Hustler, who was with the wide receivers, and Travell Wharton and Sam Mills on defensive line, and Steve Russ at linebackers, and uh, Richard Rogers back with the safeties and other guys. I mean, this is obviously a very heavy Carolina laden, you know, front office and staff. And we're, you know, quite honestly, we're, we're still getting to know these guys because, um, you know, with the zoom calls and all that, you don't get a chance to, to get to know these guys as much, but I would definitely say there's a certain, uh, flavor that's been added, um, you know, to this organization. And it, and it feels like even though it's been a tumultuous year, uh, that there is some professionalism and some stability with the people that are now making the decisions. And I know that's really long answer, but that's just the way I feel. No, it's, you know, really great stuff. And I think that's just, you know, it just shows like we talked about earlier, the kind of guy Ron Rivera has, and you can see it's kind of trickling down to, uh, to the rest of his staff. And I mean, it obviously shows a lot of confidence in his staff that he brought how many people over from Carolina you mentioned the quarterbacks, like you said, it's been uh it's it's been quite the cycle and you're you're starting to see you know, it certainly seems like they took a step back from uh at least on field play in from uh from Alex Smith to Dwayne Haskins. Obviously we know now all the nonsense, so to speak, that's been going on with uh Dwayne Haskins. Trying to keep it rated G here. Yeah. Um 
but at least just in terms of on-field product, what's what is Dwayne? And I guess we'll focus on Dwayne Haskins here too, because you know we thought he was going to be the guy, and it just seems like he's kind of right. taken a step back. And now there's obviously big question marks about the, yeah. the future of the position. I mean, you know, for Dwayne, it's a, a lot of it is is what happened like this past Sunday, and and what led to this week being a mess is a, a lot of it is immaturity. Uh, a lot of it was work ethic, is work ethic. Uh, it's the second staff in a row that was not pleased with his work ethic uh, and how much work and attention to detail uh, that he was putting in. And it was hurting the offense, even though, you know, he was benched after a 300-yard passing game, which a lot of people couldn't understand. I understood it right away. Uh, I knew Ron was seething going into that game, uh, and, and Scott, you know, doesn't seethe like Ron does, but I knew Scott was frustrated as well. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously that's a mess. And last Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks, Dwayne was terrible really in the first half. Uh, terrible might be strong. He was very, 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 very conservative, made one big mistake, was getting rid of the football for the most part very quickly. A lot of, you know, kind of like, one yard gains by throwing the football, no yard, all that. And then they got into a rhythm in the second half. Why? Because they started stretching the field a little bit. They started and Dwayne started being a little bit more patient as well. Um, now this Sunday, the expectation as we record this bill, um, uh, is that Alex Smith will probably be able to start. Um, however, I don't know if he's going to be able to finish the game, even if he does start. So that's how I'll phrase it, because they thought he was fine going into San Francisco a couple of weeks ago and the calf tightened up and it tightened up uh, from what I understand immediately when he was hit on the first play of the game. So, I mean, that could very well happen against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday, even if he's cleared and even if he starts the game. So, you know, with all this mess, I didn't know if Dwayne Haskins was even going to be active, but Ron Rivera said on Wednesday, he will indeed be active and he would indeed start if Alex Smith couldn't. And therefore that means he'll be active on on Sunday and he'll play if Alex, if something happens to Alex or he can't push off or what have you. So there's a good chance Carolina Panther fans are going to see both quarterbacks is how I would uh, sum it up. And then there's, you know, again, I mentioned Kyle Allen, he's done for the year, but Carolina Panther fans might remember Taylor Heineke, who was with Carolina a little bit there uh, and and started a couple of games. Uh, Well, he's here. He just got here a couple of weeks ago. uh, So you might, there's a chance, I suppose, you might even see him as well on Sunday. So uh, it, it really has been kind of a jambalaya at quarterback. Without a doubt. It's been, uh, you know, it, it's just been crazy to, to follow this Washington team. And, you know, we know that whole division has, has been a mess. But, yes. you know, it, it's crazy to think that Washington – actually comes into this game now with a chance to win the NFC East. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. At six and eight. At you know, six and eight, yep. And that tells you everything you need to know about the division. But the scenario in case Panthers fans are not aware is, you know, this game obviously was flexed from one o'clock to four oh five. Um and the reason for that is because the Giants in Baltimore are playing up the road in Baltimore, Maryland, as opposed to Landover, Maryland, where FedEx Field is, so it's about a twenty mile difference. Uh, and they, both games were scheduled simultaneously at one o'clock, but the scenario is if Washington wins against Carolina 
and the Giants lose against Baltimore, uh, you know, then, then the, the, the Washington football team would clinch the division here in Ron's first year and in week 16 to boot, right? With a week mm-hmm. to play, which, you know, then at seven and eight, you would be like, what, what? Wait, at seven and eight, you still have a week to play. And, and that's the guy, that's the honest truth. I mean, you know, it would be, I mean, there would be no way for them to improve this, you know, so I, I would expect, you know, if they can get through this one, that they'll give some of their guys, uh, the week off to heal up and get ready. Uh, the bottom line is, is, uh, what I don't know, it, 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 here's one thing that worries me very much in addition to the wide receivers, and we mentioned Chin and, um, you know, uh, some of the pieces that they're going to have to worry about for Carolina. Bill, this is an awful, awful, awful first-half team. Uh, I am so shocked by this, but a Ron Rivera-led team has been outscored in the first half. Ready for this? 204 to 112 cumulatively. In the first half of games this year, 204 to 112. And I mean, that's just mind blowing how you can be that bad. And they're 0 for 14 on first drive scoring, meaning they have not scored on one single opening drive all year, not even a field goal. Um, now they are much, 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 much better in the second half. Uh, the number is, I think, 189 to, um, to 91. So, you know, as bad as they are in the first half, they are almost reverse in the second half. So if you're Carolina, you damn well better win this game in the first half because Washington has proven time and time again that they stink in the first half and that they're pretty darn good in the second half. And Carolina for a bunch of these games has actually been the opposite, funnily yeah. enough. We've seen, yeah. and that's why they've lost a couple of these games. You look at the Minnesota game, you look at the, the Kansas City game. Uh, the second Tampa Bay game, those are prime examples of the Panthers, you know, either were tied or were leading at the half, or in the case of the Vikings game, trailed by three at the half, but then within the first, like, two minutes of the right. third quarter, had those two defensive touchdowns by Jeremy Chin, and then they blew that 11-point lead. So those are some interesting numbers you brought up. So that's really going to make this game really interesting. And, yeah, you wonder if the Panthers are going to – Try to play a little bit of a of spoiler here, you know. Like you said, four or five games, so it puts them right in as as well with the uh, the Dallas Philadelphia mm-hmm. game to try to keep that game competitive as well. Since uh, Washington would actually eliminate, you know, assuming the Giants win, Washington would still eliminate both Dallas and Philadelphia mm-hmm. with a win. So yeah, really crazy, like you said. And uh, how about if Washington clinches the division Sunday? They'd have they could almost give themselves a bye in week 17. You know, and the they could use it too because they are really, really, really beat up at the linebacker level. And, and real quickly, that's, you know, for as much talk as their defensive line gets and, and for good purposes, I, you know, Ron inherited a, a very talented group of first rounders, uh, as Carolina fans saw last year when, you know, Kyle Allen was sacked seven times, but then they add Chase Young to it. Uh, they add James Smith Williams, who played down at North Carolina State. Um, and, but they are really beat up on the linebacker level, so much so that they had to go poach Michael Kendricks off of the practice squad of Seattle, and he's going to jail in three weeks, or he's being sentenced to jail for insider trading mm-hmm. in three weeks, which could be in the middle of a playoff run. But that's how desperate they are at linebacker, uh, you know, because they just, they're missing two of their starters, uh, and maybe they'll get one of them back. 
but we don't know that at this point. Uh, but Cole Holcomb, who played his college ball uh, down at North Carolina, some Panther fans might remember him. You know, he was having a pretty impressive year, but he's got a concussion, so don't know if he's going to come back. Uh, and and they lost Sean Dion Hamilton, who played at Alabama, uh, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Um, he missed last week. He's been limited so far in practice. So that's an area that Carolina, you know, especially we talk about the wide receivers. If they can go to work on those linebackers, they can have a lot of success. And I think that kind of brings me real quick too. And I feel like I'm going long. I apologize, but it's ah. just, you know, always, always fun chat with me. But, you know, I, you talk about the linebackers. That'll help me segue into this question. Where did Jonathan Bostic find the fountain of youth? I guess. I mean, <laughs> for his, I mean, this has been one of the most inconsistent linebackers we've seen over the years, especially in his time with the Bears. Yeah. And now he's leading the team in tackles by, 25 because I was just looking at the numbers and talking about them on my pod on Wednesday. He's already got over 100 tackles. Yeah. Where has this come from with him? So it's really strange that you ask specifically about him and you mention like the kind of inconsistent because that's actually how his season has gone here too. He started out a house on fire. He was blitzing downhill, sacking Carson Wentz on a key fourth and one uh in the season opener. Uh they were using him again on a lot of, you know, some delayed blitzes and some twists and and just really aggressive with him early on. And I really, really, really like that as they were making this conversion from a three four uh, two or four, three. And, and again, Steve Russ was with Carolina. So, uh, you know, he came over, but Jack Del Rio obviously wasn't, and he was, you know, the new defensive coordinator here and all that. Um, you know, and then Bostic probably right around eh, week three, week four, somewhere right around that really started to struggle bill and started really getting beat and exposed a lot in coverage, uh, being in the wrong gaps, Wrong creases. Ron and the coaching staff were furious uh, at him and the linebackers, and they started messing around. They started, you know, shuttling in Thomas Davis, of course, a longtime Panther, and he really has not been a big factor here. He's had, you know, all sorts of issues, uh, and, and they were really like they were they were just trying to find the right recipe. And just when they started doing that about a month ago. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the game right before Thanksgiving against Cincinnati, the one that Joe Burrow went out for the season in, it seemed like he kind of got it back again and stopped maybe being more tentative and being more aggressive and just, you know, really kind of attacking. And that's what Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio kept saying is they wanted their linebackers to attack and to go downhill and to be aggressive. And he felt they were playing tepid and cautious, and, and and Bostic has kind of led that. So it's been a good little comeback here for him. I still think you can pick on him, quite honestly, a little bit. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, he's been pretty good this year. Uh, but, again, you know, they're really banged up at that level. Uh, and Thomas Davis, again, the you know, so many Carolina fans familiar with him, and I know he was in San Diego last year, he really hasn't been – uh, he was hurt a lot. Um, you know, he, he really has not played a whole lot. I think he played, you know, 20, I want to say 23 snaps or something like that, uh, last week. And, and there's, you know, he's really lost, quite honestly, any, you know, whatever speed and athleticism, uh, he's had. So it, it's just been an interesting, it's been an interesting position. And, 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 and Ron has been very frustrated with it. Let's just call it that. A lot of great info there. I think we'll leave you on this. Let's say Washington 
does make the playoffs, you know, and obviously they're very much favored to do. So I think it's like 75% right now. Right. What or who do you, who in your opinion would be the best matchup for Washington in the first round? It's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think they did a reasonably good job against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks in controlling that high prolific passing game, but it cost them in two big areas. They couldn't stop the run, number one, and number two, they couldn't get home and, and, and put enough pressure on them. So I, I hesitate to say that's a great matchup for them, but maybe it's not as bad as I originally thought. The matchup that I, I think that's, you know, pretty realistic, um, that would probably be the best for them. And I can't believe I'm saying this is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Um, you know, I think, I think they handle the non-mobile quarterback way, 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 way better than they handle the mobile quarterback. And, you know, so if Teddy Bridgewater can still, and I know he's done some of it this year, but I mean, if he can, st- you know, buy extra time, move around, you know, that's going to be interesting, an interesting X and O type. Uh, situation in this game. So I, I, you know, ultimately as many weapons as Tampa has, and I still would pick Tampa in that game as much for their offense as it is their, I, I mean, as much for their defense as it is their offense. Um, but I would think that's probably the best matchup for them. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense because we know the, the playoffs, you know, the playoff experience Seattle has with Russell Wilson, uh, the Rams can certainly be a hit or miss team, but um, yep, that offense when when they want to be good can be really good, and, and same with the defense. And they and they were good week five at FedEx Field. I should point that out. And, but you're you're absolutely right; they are a roller coaster. So yeah, absolutely. So I, I like that answer of Tampa Bay. Should be really interesting, and we very well could get that matchup, especially with the Rams playing the Seahawks on Sunday. Seattle could you know, bump the Rams down a little bit. So, yeah, Tampa-Washington could very well happen. Uh, and I think if Tampa wins out, I think they do get the five seed anyway. So, yeah, we we could be seeing that in a couple of weeks. That was fun, Chris. <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, man. Uh, always appreciate uh, catching up with you, Bill. And, and uh, I, I enjoy talking uh, football with you. I mean, like I said, usually we get to do it about once a year. And, uh, you know, obviously these organizations now so int- intricately tied. Uh, and I know there's a lot of Washington fans down in North Carolina and in the Charlotte area. We always used to see them, you know, going to Charlotte. And, um, you know, so so it, it's kind of cool. Like you got a sort of regional rivalry with a lot of familiar uh, uh, and friendly foes. And just one thing that I'll, I'll add, you know, like Ron Rivera was asked about going against his former team this week early on. And he said, look, you know, he's like, I was really surprised it wasn't a week one matchup. Count me in on that. I thought so too. He, you know, he said right now, it, it really is not a big deal because a, the game's in Washington. It's not like he's going back home to Charlotte and B because it's week 16 and you got a playoff spot on the line. So it seems like some of the, the juiciness, if you will, from that uh, has kind of subsided because it's so late in the year. Right. No, those are a lot of fair points. Next year, though, is is going to be the interesting one yeah. because it's it's set up. You know, thanks to the rotation, it will be Washington at Carolina at some point in 2021. So, definitely looking forward to Ron's return there, and you and I will certainly get together when that, when that happens. Yes, so sir. That, that's going to be a lot of fun.
All right, so we're going to wrap this up, guys, here for Bill Rossetti. I'm Chris Russell. Bill, check him out, host of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Uh, Bill, where can they find you on social media? Uh, it's at Bill underscore Rossetti, real simple, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. And, uh, yeah, Twitter's usually the best place best place to find me so go follow me all right make sure you go check that out washington football fans and obviously carolina panther uh fans for bill i'm chris happy holidays everybody thanks for being with us on this crossover thursday bill we'll talk real soon uh and enjoy the game everybody right here on the locked on podcast network happy holidays if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.